Our gospel reading this morning comes from the gospel of Matthew chapter 7. Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged. And the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them under feet and turn and maul you. Ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? In everything, do to others as you would have them do to you, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction, and there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Now when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astounded at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. The word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, So we are finally now, a week late because of our blizzard, but we are finally now at the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew chapters 5 through 7 uh, are this uh, long sermon of Jesus that we call the Sermon on the Mount, and this is where we've been for the last uh, three Sundays that we've had worship. Uh, So if you remember, it starts off in chapter 5 with these uh, series of blessings that we call the Beatitudes. And they're sort of a surprising series of blessings because Jesus is blessing people who we usually wouldn't call blessed. Blessed are those who mourn, for example, uh, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, uh, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are you when you are persecuted, Jesus says for your reward will be great in heaven. Not usually the sorts of uh, blessings that we expect. Then in chapter 5, as Jesus goes on, if you remember, he gets into maybe what the people are really there for anyways. He starts to teach them about God's law, about what it takes to live a life that is pleasing to God according to the law, about what it is that God's commandments really demand from us. Except as he goes on in chapter 5, that gets harder and harder. And in fact, it ends with this verse. Maybe you remember this one. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. What does it take to be right before God? According to the law, it takes perfection. And not just, you know, trying really hard in a human kind of way, but it takes heavenly perfection, God's 
perfection. All right, that's tricky. So then we moved on to chapter 6, and in chapter 6, we heard about treasures in heaven and what it means to store up treasures in heaven, what it means to have your treasury, the place where you lay up what you need, in heaven rather than on earth. And Jesus gives these examples about uh, our religious life. So he says, uh, when you pray or when you fast or when you give to the poor, uh, don't do it in a way that uh, it gets you attention so that you get your reward by people's recognition. Don't store up your treasure here on earth in what people think of you. Rather, do it in secret, he says, for your father who sees in secret will reward you. For your father knows already what you need. The treasury of heaven is, of course, what God knows that we need and what God then dispenses to us. This week, we are in chapter 7, and it's sort of in two parts. The first uh, half of it is uh, having to do uh, especially uh, with this idea of the reciprocity that we are put in by the law, this sort of give and take that we have. Don't judge, because with the judgment you used, you will be judged, right? Uh, Whatever measure you use to measure out good things or bad things, that's the measure that it will come back to you. You know, don't try and remove the speck from your uh, brother's eye when you have a wooden beam in your own eye. It's a great, uh, great image to have there. And then, of course, he sums it up with that golden rule, that famous phrase, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Whatever it is that you want others uh, to do to you, this is how you should be uh, treating others as well. And then there's something of a shift here, because then Jesus lays out these two ways, and that's really what I want to focus on this morning. There are two ways that Jesus lays out before us, two alternatives, two eventualities. One, destruction, and one, life. One, death, and one, salvation. There are these two roads that Jesus lays out before us, and when we hear this, our ears perk up, I think for a couple of reasons. First off, it uh, sets, uh, sets the stakes for us. It tells us what's at stake here. This isn't just uh, a matter of uh, having a more productive life, having a happy and, uh, and being well-liked by your peers. It's not even getting the most out of your day. This is the difference between life and destruction. And what does he say about it? This is in, uh, down in verse uh, 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction, and there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. So first, our ears perk up because of the stakes involved here. But second, we, our ears perk up because we have here a nice little choice. This is a simple choice that Jesus is offering before us. I mean, it couldn't be more uh, obvious what the right choice is, right? Life or destruction, which would you like? Do you choose life or would you choose destruction? We like these choices, right? We like simple choices. Our world is complex, it's complicated, our lives are complicated and confusing, and it's nice to have a black and white choice every once in a while set before us. Well, of course, we're going to choose life. But what does he say about the way that leads to life? Well, first, not many find it. It's narrow. It's hard. It's not a very good road. So if we're thinking in terms of snow and the sorts of decisions that you make of which road am I going to take to get to where, what's going to be the best way to go, uh, one of the roads Jesus is describing is, is sort of like the freeway, right? You can count on it being plowed. It's probably dry by now. There's lots of lanes. Probably nothing's going to jump out in front of you. You can go a reasonable speed. Uh, you're going to get where you want to go, and you know it's going to be safe. 
The other road that Jesus is describing is sort of like, I don't know, a gravel road or a dirt road that should be gravel, but, you know, hasn't had gravel added to it in quite some time. And it hasn't really been plowed, and the drifts are going across the road, and you can't even quite tell where they are, but you know there's ditches on both sides. So you're going as slow as you can, and you're staying right in the middle, and if another car comes, well, one of you is going to have to back up and find a place to to pull off to the side because you can't both uh, get through. It's a narrow road. And if you think about it in these terms and you look at these two roads that Jesus is describing, you'd be a fool to take this narrow road, right? I mean, you'd be foolish. It's dangerous to take this narrow road. One road is wide. It's well-maintained. There's lots of space. The other road is narrow and hard. No wonder few find it. So if we are to choose between life and destruction, how are we to choose? Do we just choose whatever's hardest? We just choose the foolish choice, whatever seems most dangerous? Well, how do we know what that is? Or is this even what Jesus is doing here? Is Jesus even offering us a choice between choosing life, the narrow road, and choosing destruction, the wide and easy path? Because I don't know if you noticed something earlier in this uh, this reading, But from what Jesus says, it doesn't seem that we're so much at a fork in the road deciding which path we are going to go down. Rather, Jesus says we're already on one of these paths. Let me read it for you. This is almost a little throwaway phrase here. Uh, You could almost just go right past it. He's talking about giving gifts, and he's talking about how God knows to give good gifts. And then he says this in verse 11. If you then, who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask of him? If you then, who are evil. Now, Jesus is not speaking to, uh, you know, the Roman uh, imperial uh, leaders here. He's not speaking to the temple leadership, these uh, big religious hypocrites or something like that. This sermon, if you remember, if you go back to chapter 5 and you see who he's talking to, he's speaking to his disciples. And he's speaking to his disciples in the hearing of this crowd who has come out to hear what he has to say, to be healed by him, to learn from him. And what does he name them as, his hearers? You who are evil. Now, if you're paying attention in chapter 5 and you remember that uh, the law demands perfection, maybe this wouldn't be a shock to you, but it seems to always continue to be a shock. And we skipped over a few verses just for the sake of time in this reading. But in some of those verses that we skipped over, Jesus says something like this. He says, uh, makes this comparison of evil trees and good trees. He says, an evil tree cannot bear good fruit. A good tree cannot bear evil fruit. You will know them by their fruits, he says. And yet here he names us, his hearers, as evil. It's not so much a matter of choosing which path we're going to walk down, but it turns out we're already on that wide and easy path. And if you've ever gone past your exit on the freeway, you know how hard it can be to turn around and get back to it, right? When you're on that path, it's not just a simple matter of deciding to go the right direction. There's a lot working against you. So where does that leave us, we who are evil? Where does that leave us if we are on the path that leads to destruction already? Well, it leaves us at God's mercy, the mercy of the God who gave that law by which we are found to be evil, but also the mercy of the God who gave his son to make a way for us, a son who is himself the way, the truth, the life. 
At the end of this sermon, Jesus has this, uh, this little story of two men building a house. And it's a, such a famous, a famous story, and it's a good one. Uh, and he says, anyone uh, who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man. A wise man who builds his house. And he goes out to build his house, and he digs down onto the rock, and he makes the foundation of his house onto rock. And he, this is nice, uh, good setting for it. And he builds his house there. Anyone who does not, uh, or who hears these words and does not act on them, Jesus says, will be like a man, a foolish man, who goes out and he builds his house for whatever reason, we're not told why, on sand. Maybe he just didn't feel like digging far enough. Maybe all of the rock was taken up. I don't know the reason, but he builds his house on sand. And then what happens to these men? Well, the exact same thing happens. Storms come, right? The weather comes, the rain falls, the floods rise, the wind comes, and it beats against those houses. And the man whose house is founded on a rock, his house stands. He is okay. I'm not sure he's enjoying himself, but he's okay. The other man whose, man is on, uh, whose house is on the sand, his house falls, and great was its fall, says Jesus. So what does this mean for us, then? What kind of a house are we building? What are we founding our house on? On what does our foundation lie? Is it on rock? Is it on sand? How do we know whether it's good rock or bad sand? When Jesus uses this word rock in another time in this gospel, he's speaking to Peter. He's asked, uh, who do you say that I am? And Peter comes out with this confession. Maybe you remember this confession. Well, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church. This rock is God's word. This rock is God's word, God's Son, Jesus Christ. This rock is God's promise to you. On what are you building your house? On what are you trusting in when the storms come? Because storms will come. Are you trusting in uh, your own uh, ability to do things well? Are you trusting in your career? Are you trusting in uh, your retirement accounts? Are you trusting in uh, the state of your house, the cleanliness, or how uh, well-appointed it is? Are you trusting in how well-liked you are? What are you trusting in? Or are you trusting in Jesus Christ, who is the rock on which your salvation is built? Jesus Christ, who can weather the storms that you cannot. Jesus Christ, who himself has been given to you, who has died for you, who has risen for you to forgive you your sin. Jesus Christ, who is the narrow way, who seeks you out, the shepherd who saves the lost. Jesus Christ, who has not let you go. Amen.